I'm Pastor Richard Gamble, and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org. That's www.firstbastrop.org. If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 21. Deuteronomy chapter 21. As we continue our study in Deuteronomy, today we're looking at uh, verses 10 through 14. So a small section to this morning, Deuteronomy 21, 10 through 14. We have been considering here, as we've been going through Deuteronomy the last few weeks, we've been considering the sixth commandment. You shall not murder, and how that applies uh, in the life of Christians, as in the lives of God's people. The general principle behind the commandment is to maintain the dignity of human life. And the foundation of human dignity is that we are created in the image and likeness of God. So why... Why, do, why does every human being deserve to be treated with dignity and respect? Because every human being is created in the image and likeness of God. And so ways that we demonstrate and ways that we maintain the dignity of human life in life is to, first of all, understand the value of human life. Make sure we always understand the value of human life, and that means every human life. There is no human life that is uh, less dignified, right? There's no human life that uh, doesn't deserve some uh, level of respect and dignity, dignity because every human life is created in the image and likeness of God. And so every human life finds its value in the image of our Creator. Uh, second, we, we seek to preserve and protect human life. We want to make sure that we seek to preserve and protect human life. Uh, that is, uh, especially the, the life, lives that uh, aren't able to defend themselves, right? So we, we seek to defend the lives of the unborn because the unborn are still created in the image and likeness of God, and we want to preserve their lives. We want to preserve and protect human life. Another way that we we show the dignity of human life is what we'll see today by treating people with dignity. By treating people with dignity. Treating people with respect and not just like something. And of course, dignity always starts in the home. Dignity always starts in the home. Like everything, it always starts in the home. And, and we begin treating people with dignity and respect in our own homes. And so today's text, we're going to see that uh, we are called to respect the dignity of human life by treating your spouse with dignity. Right? Because that's where it starts. Respect the dignity of human life, husbands and wives. By treating your spouse with dignity and respect. And that's the focus of today's text. And today we're going to see four ways. I want to show you four ways to treat your spouse with dignity as you live out the command to treat others with dignity and respect. 
Now, we need to remember something here, especially in today's text. As today's text, uh, we're dealing with a, a kind of an odd situation. It's odd to us, but we need to remember that the context of our text is an ancient context with ancient practices. And sometimes, sometimes when we reflect on ancient times and these ancient practices, uh, there are some of these practices that are uh, kind of offensive to our modern senses. And today's text deals with one of those topics because today's text deals with the ma- uh, of a man taking a war bride. And so a man goes out to war, they conquer the land, they take captives, and this man sees amongst the captives Uh, someone that pleases his eye and uh, he wants to take her as his bride and this text kind of regulates what to do now as we come to these texts that kind of get to our modern senses a bit we need to remember that uh, this is not our context these are different times in different situations and there were common situations in that time we also need to remember that just because God governs this just because God puts his uh, uh, kind of two cents in on on what to do here right it doesn't mean that God is in any way uh, while he allows this practice it it doesn't mean that he endorses this practice just because God he uh, he recognizes certain practices and allows them to continue does not mean that he overall endorses them for example God allows divorce as a consequence of living in a sinful world but as Jesus noted God does not endorse divorce divorce is contrary to God's created order marriage is supposed to be a covenant relationship a covenant bond between one man and one woman for a lifetime God allows divorce because of sin and our sinful hearts. That does not mean he endorses it. So while God allows this situation in Israel of taking a war bride, that does not mean that he necessarily endorses it. But he does govern it so to make sure that everyone is treated with the respect and dignity that is deserved. So in our text, God gives instruction on how to treat the war brides with dignity. Thus, it teaches us how to treat our spouses with dignity and respect. So I hope I can point that out and show that to you today. So if you found your place, since it is a shorter text, we're going to read it this this morning. So if you found your place, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. Hear the word of the Lord. When you go out to war against your enemies, and the Lord your God gives them into your hand, and you take them captive, and you see among the captives a beautiful woman, and you desire to take her to be your wife, and you bring her home to your house, she shall shave her head and par her nails, and she shall take off the clothes in which she was captured, and... She shall remain in your house and lament her father and her mother a full month. 
After that, you may go in to her and be her husband, and she shall be your wife. But if you no longer delight in her, you, uh, you shall let her go where she wants. But you shall not sell her for money, nor shall you treat her as a slave, since you have humiliated her. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we do pray that you would write its eternal truth on all our hearts today, Lord. Help us to understand this passage, this text, Lord. Help us to see it, uh, not just in its original context, but Lord, help us to see the principles behind what you are doing here uh, so that we may apply them even to our own lives today, Lord. So help us, give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and then hearts willing to obey your word. These things I pray in Christ's name, amen. And you may be seated. Well, as we look at this kind of strange text, uh, one way that we see here, we, we, we're going to see how that it pertains to us in our lives today and how it uh, kind of speaks into our own marriages. But one way that you treat your spouse with dignity, because this is what it's about, one way you treat your spouse with dignity is you must respect personal freedom. You must respect personal freedom. Now, we, we look at this text, and, and you might say, now, where do you see personal freedom being respected here? Well, it's here. You need to look, right? You, you need to read the words and, and hear what it actually says. Now, he, he talks about taking this war bride, right? There's a, a war that's gone on. The people have been uh, captured, and now there's a soldier, and he sees a beautiful woman, and he desires to take her to be his wife. But notice what verse 12 says. And you bring her home to your house. She shall shave her head and pare her nails. Let me read that again. She shall shave her head and pare her nails. Notice it doesn't say you shall shave her head and pare her nails. It doesn't indicate any kind of forced uh, action being taken here. Uh, the responsibility is on the, the woman. There is a respect for her, her freedom even in this, even though she is a captive, right? She is a captive after this war, yet the, she's not to be treated as a slave in this. It's not just a man going out and bonking a woman on her head. You think of a, a caveman, right? And you, you've seen that played out. The, the man, he goes out, he, he finds somebody, a woman that he likes and bonks her on her head and drags her home. That's not what's being that's not what's taking place here. Right? Yes, there's a war has taken place. A people have been conquered. But there's an attraction. And a man sees a, a, a woman that, hey, she, she looks kind of pretty. I, I kind of like her. But apparently there, there's a mutual feeling here as well because it, it's not saying that, that you have a right to her. It's saying now, now she has a right. If she wants to be in this relationship, she now has the right, the freedom, the liberty to do what is necessary to become this man's wife. 
Because there is a requirement here, right? She, she has to become part of the covenant community. She can't just be a pagan coming in to Israel and, and being, uh, being brought into a, an Israelite's house. We, we've already seen in other texts that wasn't allowed. And so there's an obligation on her. If she wants to be a part of this man's life, a part of this man's family, she has to do something, right? She has to, to kind of push herself away from her past life of paganism. And adopt the Jewish way of living. And so now the requirement is for her, she shall. If this is to take place, she has to do something. So there is a respecting of her individual freedom, her individual liberty. The husband is not to be domineering. The husband is not to be domineering over the wife. And the wife here chooses to submit to his authority. And we see this, of course, in Scripture. This is the same kind of relationship that the Bible commands of Christian husbands and wives. In the biblical marriage, we see such respect of human liberty, human freedom, but also this idea of willful submission to a husband's authority. Ephesians chapter 5. This is the go-to text, right? Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 tells us how husbands and wives, Christian husbands and wives particularly, are to uh, react to one another and how they are to live with one another. Wives, submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife. He is the head of the household. Even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and his and and is himself its savior now as the church submits to christ so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands now we don't stop there right men often like to stop with that one and not proceed but we're, we got to go on verse 25 husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or in any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I am saying that it, it, that it refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. And so we see the same thing here taking place in the New Testament. Yes, wives are to submit to their husbands. There's a, a willing submission to the husband. Because God's so designed that in the household, 
Men are to be the head of the household. They're to be the leaders of the household. That's God's design. Now, our world says, oh, well, that's just backwards. That's just an ancient principle. And no, there there doesn't need to be that submission. And so Southern Baptists today, we're under heat by the world because we, we just affirm what God's Word says about pastors. Men are called to be pastors and not women because God has so designed men to take on that role. And we need to remember that men are called to to take a stand and and be the head of the household as they are to be the head of the church. That's the way God designed it. And we don't need to get all up into the world's uh, idea of redefining roles and even gender, right? Because that just gets into a whole other ball field when we start down that road. God designed men to lead the household. Men, but you're not to be a domineering leader. Right? There, there, there's not a forceful leadership there. No, men are not called to be domineering. Men are called to love their wives. To love them as Christ loved the church. Wow. Men, do you hear the responsibility there? It's not just, oh, no, you obey me because of my position. No, no, no. You love them. It's a sacrificial kind of leadership. Husbands, you are called to give yourself to your wife to love them and, and their, their concern, their health, their vitality becomes your priority in life. And when your wife's vitality, when her, her spiritual health especially becomes your priority in life, then your wife will willingly submit to your leadership. Oh, will she willingly submit. She will love that, and she will certainly submit to that leadership. But you see, it's not a domineering thing. There's a submission there. And and wives, the same thing. You you can't just expect your husband, right? You, You can't just demand that he do something. No, no, you you love him. And even when he does stupid things because men do stupid things. You respect him. You forgive him. You care for him. There's a a, a mutual respecting of those independent and individual freedoms. There's a liberty there. So husbands, love your wives even as Christ loved the church. And women, willingly submit to your husband as he shows such leadership in the household. We must demonstrate the dignity in marriage by respecting personal freedom. Another way to treat your spouse with dignity is to also demonstrate acceptance. To demonstrate acceptance. And I hope I can explain this correctly here. But demonstrate acceptance. Notice what he says there. Notice what the word says, the Bible says there. She shall shave her head and pare her nails, and she shall take off the clothes in which she was captured. 
And she shall remain in your house and lament her father and her mother a full month. We're coming back to that little section there in just a minute. After that, you may go into her and be her husband, and she shall be your wife. Now, notice what he says. Notice what, what's taking place there. As she shaves her head and, and pairs her nails and, and takes off her, her old clothing, right? The, the clothing that was a part of a, another culture, a pagan culture. Now she is coming into this new household. Uh, the woman, what the woman is going through here, what she is doing here, this is, uh, she is going through a ceremonial cleansing to separate herself from her old life her old community, and it recognizes her new life and her new commitment to a new community in the Lord. It is a visual expression of, of Ruth's verbal declaration in Ruth chapter 1, verse 16. You remember the story as Naomi is trying to send Ruth back to her people. Oh no, you, you go back to your people. You, you have no obligation to me. I'll go back to Israel and you go back to your people. And what does Ruth say? Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. And so as Ruth separated herself from her people and became part of Naomi's people, she took on a new identity. She kept, became part of a, a new covenant community. And as she separates herself from her past, she is to be accepted into this new community, this new covenant community. She is to pare her nails and shave her head and take off her old clothes that have to do with that old culture, and the husband is to bring her in to his house. He is to accept her. Not just as a slave, but now as a, a spouse, as his wife. He is to accept her into a new covenant. And, likewise, that whole household was to accept her as a new member of that community. Because a household wasn't like ours is today. A household back then wasn't just a man and his wife. It was a man and his wife and his mama and his mama and his daddy and, and brothers and sister. I mean, there, there was like a community there. And so she was brought in and accepted into this new community. As she says goodbye to her old way of life, she is to be accepted into this new covenant community as part of that new community. And we see the same thing, of course, in the New Testament and the Old. I mean, it's from the very beginning because the covenant of marriage was from the beginning. After God created man, woman and man in his own image and likeness, he brought them together and he established the covenant of marriage. And in the covenant of marriage, a husband is to separate himself from old familial relations and the wife is to separate herself from old familial relationships 
and they are to come together and they are to cleave to one another. They're starting a new community. A new family core, right? And they're to love one another and accept one another in this new relationship. Those old familial relationships are set aside. They become second priority to this new relationship between a husband and a wife. Boy, how important it is for, uh, for us to feel accepted. We all desire to have this feeling of acceptance in life, don't we? That, that's why peer pressure is so effective. Because we want to be accepted. We want to be a part of whatever community we're involved in. We want that acceptance, and so we'll go along with the crowd oftentimes because we want to feel accepted. I can remember back in the day, back when I was a kid and, and uh, a teenager or whatever, and, and you'd be sitting there and, and maybe you'd be in a circle and you're talking to your buddies and your friends, and I can just remember one time in particular where we were sitting there talking in a circle, and, and somebody wedged their way in, in front of me and, and kind of pushed me out of the circle. And, and, and I felt excluded. In that moment, just because that person kind of weaseled their way around me and cut me out of the circle, and now I felt like I was excluded from the group. And it hurt. It hurt. They had rejected me. Now, it probably was incidental. It probably wasn't even meant to be. But, but in that moment, it hurt because I was excluded from the group. And, and that's just the way it is. We like to be accepted. We like to be a part of the group. Well, can you imagine in a home where the husband or the wife feels rejected, feels excluded? But it happens, doesn't it? It happens, doesn't it? Husbands, how do you think your wife feels when you choose your buddies or your job or your hobbies before her? How do you think your husbands feel, wives, when you put your mama or your daddy or even your children before Him. That should never be. That should never be. The tightest relationship on this earth should be the relationship of a husband and a wife. Husbands, your wife, outside of Jesus, right? Your wife is to be your main priority. Wives, outside of Jesus, your husband is to be your main authority. Or your main priority. No one, no thing should ever become before your spouse. If it does, you are making your spouse feel excluded. Unaccepted. And that's sin. Yes, 
your spouse comes before even your children for a lifetime God puts husband and wife together and when husband and wife comes together and that relationship there should never ever ever be a feeling of exclusion or rejection but in that relationship there should always be a sense of acceptance he accepts me he loves me and accepts me she loves me and accepts me she's always there for me that's the way it should always be show dignity for your spouse treat your spouse with dignity and respect by always demonstrating acceptance never ever ever allowing anything to come between you and your spouse in marriage demonstrate acceptance to treat your spouse with dignity respect uh, personal freedom demonstrate acceptance acceptance and third display empathy display empathy we come back to that text there notice what he says there she is to go into the house she is to remain in the husband's house and lament her father and her mother a full month after that you may go into her and be her husband and she be your wife now you got to understand here something extraordinary is taking place this woman is leaving everything that she knows we don't know what happened to her mom and dad they might have been killed in the battle or they might have just been uh you know she's she's left them right they might have been left behind they may be back in the city that was captured they might be somewhere else who knows we don't know what happened to the parents but but there is a a, a separation between this woman and her family not just her mother and father but everything that she knew everything that she knew is gone and now she's in a new place with a new bunch of folks that she doesn't know and she needs time to lament she needs time to mourn and to 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 get into this new place we we, we can understand that can't we i know when marybeth and i got married we we had no intention of ever leaving warren arkansas we, we thought we we would be like our parents and we would just grow up and live and die in warren arkansas and never move when god called us into the ministry wow it's time to move and our first move wasn't just down the street our first move was from warren arkansas all the way out to fort worth texas now i was so busy with things that uh hey i i didn't i didn't think a thing about it plus i'd already been in the marine corps and lived out in california away from everybody for a while so i, I it, it didn't really bother me much but I, it bothered mary beth that was the first time that she was ever really away from her family and friends there in Warren, Arkansas. And I remember uh, a buddy of mine uh, who actually was the, uh, the one who recruited me and, and brought me to Southwestern. But anyway, he was happened to come by and Marybeth was just out there sitting on the porch crying. And he said, uh, 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 let me go get my wife. 
and he went and got her wife. But, but she was missing home. She was missing home. She was mourning being separated from her family. She was mourning being separated from everything that she had known. And you know, I, I, I had to respect that. I was busy with so many things, but I had to respect her time of mourning and try to understand that. Now we need to understand that men, men and women are different. Men and women are different. We are physically different, but we are also emotionally different. Now our culture oftentimes fails to realize the difference between men and women, and, and they want to kind of blend it in, right? Well, they want everybody to be the same, but we're not the same. You often hear our culture telling men, oh man, you need to get in touch with your feminine side. I don't have a feminine inside. God did not give me a feminine side. I am a man. I am completely masculine. And I don't look for a feminine side. Mary Beth doesn't have a masculine side because she's a woman. If you're a man, you don't have a feminine side. God made you be a man. Be a man. Right? We, we are different. And we feel things differently. But here's the thing, men. Just because your wife feels things different than you do doesn't mean you can write off their emotions and think they're silly because they cry at the drop of a hat. No, 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 no. We need to understand that. Try to understand what they're feeling. No, we'll never feel like... You, husbands, you will never feel like your wife feels. Because women can just feel with a depth that I don't think men can truly understand. We feel things differently. But we don't write off one another's emotions. No, we need to feel empathy. We need to be empathetic towards our loved ones. Never, ever, ever minimize your spouse's feelings. Instead, display empathy. Now, empathy is an ability to share someone's feelings or experience by imagining what it would be like to be in that person's situation. And of course, there, because of our differences, there are limitations to how much we can actually empathize with, with some things. But the important thing is to try to understand what your spouse is going through and validate those feelings. Now certainly we don't want to validate sinful feelings and emotions such as jealousy, contempt, pride, and, and things like that. But we at least need to try to understand those feelings and graciously address them from a biblical perspective. But we need to show empathy. We need to try to understand. We need to try to sympathize with whatever they may be going through. And of course Jesus is an excellent example of, of this. Jesus demonstrated empathy. In Luke chapter 7, verses 11 through 14, Jesus had, had compassion for the widow and raised her son from the dead. He had compassion for the crowds because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, Matthew 9, 36. And he empathized, empathized with all of us. Hebrews 4, 
15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus put himself in our shoes so that he could understand how we're tempted, how it's like for us in this world. Furthermore, Jesus expects empathy from us. Romans 12, 15, for example, says, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. We're to show empathy. Display the dignity of human life and marriage by displaying empathy for one another. When your spouse is having a hard time, don't minimize what they are feeling, what they are going through, but try to understand and have compassion. The dignity of human life is upheld in marriage by respecting personal freedom, demonstrating acceptance, and displaying empathy. Fourth, a fourth way to maintain the dignity of human life in marriage is give to us, it is given to us in a negative form. That is what not to do. What not to do. Sometimes the Bible does that. It says, do this, do this, but don't do this. Here's, here Moses tells us what not to do. And here we find that we are to never, ever, ever objectify our spouse. We are never, ever, ever to objectify our spouse. Notice what he says there in the last little verse. But if you no longer delight in her, you shall not let her go where or you shall let her go where she wants but you shall not sell her for money nor shall you treat her as a slave since you have humiliated her so sin happens right this guy no, no longer finds delight in this woman and he wants to divorce her but he's not to treat her like an object he is not to treat her like something uh, just for his good pleasure. Rather, he is to treat her, even in this, he is to treat her as a human being worthy of dignity and respect. To objectify is to treat a person like a tool or a toy, as if they had no feelings, opinions, or rights of their own. Hear me, your, your spouse is not an object. Your spouse is not an object of pleasure or of comfort. Your spouse is not an object of pleasure, enough said, or comfort. What do you mean by comfort? Have you ever heard of a sugar daddy or a sugar mama? Right? Someone marries someone for their money because they, they can provide keep them in the right clothes and the right cars and the right houses. That's just objectifying a person for what they can bring to the table. Using them as an object or a tool to get what you want, to get what you really want in life. Well, when you do that, when you use your spouse to get what you really want, you are objectifying them. Now they're a tool just to get at something else. You're never, ever, ever, ever 
Never, ever, ever, ever objectify your spouse. Never treat your spouse as a tool to get what else, whatever else it is that you want. They're not a tool. They're a person. They're a person. Your spouse is a person created in the image and likeness of God. Never objectify your spouse. Always treat them with the respect and dignity they deserve as a person created in the image and likeness of God. Don't use your spouse for your delight. Rather, delight yourself in your spouse. Right? Don't use them as an object of delight, but rather, delight in them. Delight in them. Proverbs 5.18 says, Let your, your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. Rejoice in her. Not, not using her to get what you rejoice in, but rejoice in her. Maintain the dignity of human life. Maintaining the dignity of human life begins at home. Husbands, wives, treat your spouse with dignity. Respect personal freedom. Demonstrate acceptance. Display empathy and never, ever, ever objectify them. As Christian husbands and wives, treat one another with respect and dignity. You know what? We reflect the love of Christ to the rest of our world. For Christ demonstrates all of this to us. He respects personal freedom. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus, He calls us, right? He calls us, Come to Me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take My yoke upon you and learn from Me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He's not a hard taskmaster. But he is a gracious Lord. He demonstrates acceptance. Romans 5, 8, but God shows his love for us. And that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He displays His empathy. Hebrews 4.15 that I read earlier, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect was, has been tempted even as we are, yet without sin. And He never ever objectifies us. Psalm 147.11 For the Lord takes pleasure in those who fear Him. In those who hope in His steadfast love. Oh, He doesn't use us to get to His true joy. The Lord delights in us as we delight in Him. Oh, dear friend, if you're here today and you've never known the delight of the Lord, if you've never trusted in Him, Christ died so that He might become your delight.
And He calls you to freely, willingly submit to His Lordship. He loved you and sacrificed Himself. He gave Himself up for you so that you might have life in Him. And He offers you true freedom. Freedom from sin. Freedom from slavery to sin if you'll only trust in Him and willingly submit to His Lordship in your life. The question is, will you submit to Him today? Will you trust in Him and surrender your life to Him? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for Your Word. Lord, even when it's hard for us to understand, Lord, Your Word is for us to show us Your character and show us how we're to, to live out Your character in this world. How we are to more reflect your image in this world so lord we thank you for your word and lord teach us your word write your word upon our hearts lord help us as husbands and wives to show dignity for one another and lord let us not let us not just keep that in the house but lord let, then let us take that respect and dignity out into the world and treat others with such respect and dignity. Showing others your love and care for them. Father, today I know there may be those who don't know Christ. They've never submitted to His Lordship in their lives. Maybe they've never heard of what Christ has done for them. Lord, I just pray today that you would pierce their hearts. Let them see Jesus. And let them surrender and find rest in him today. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.